What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Pete. And Justin, our third member, is on his way. He's, He's on- rushing over. On his tiny little feet. He's got the world's tiniest feet. I don't know if people know that, but he's making his way over here for this big show that we have tonight. Uh, Pete, meanwhile, how are you doing? How's your week going? Oh, you know, I'm hanging in there, rolling with the punches. Uh, I got to vote early, so I'm excited about that. You know, who'd you vote for? Joe Jorgensen? Yep, yep, yeah, Great. JJ, J. Jonah Jameson. Uh, <laughs> no, did you? I, I got a, I got an advanced ballot. By the way, uh, for anybody tuning in for the first time, our show is very heavily on politics. We're always talking politics on the show. We're a bunch Not, of poli sci majors, so yeah, it's called Comic Book Club, but it's, uh, it's about. Someone's the listening com- to this for the first time, and they're going to be like, "Well, I'm out of here." Man. I yeah, this it's, is it's the comedy of the American uh, experiment. Ooh, ooh, ee. No, don't do that. Uh, no, it's a comic book show. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I, I will say, like you were joking about, I got my ballot in advance. It had the wrong name on it because they sent out hundreds of thousands of wrong ballots yeah. in Brooklyn, and there was, you know, uh, Joe Biden, who mm-hmm. I'm voting for. Spoiler. Uh, there's Donald Trump, who I'm not voting for. And then there were a bunch of other names, and they all were comic book alliteration names, which seemed no like way. it was fate. Yeah, there was like, I, I, Joe Jorgensen is, I think, a real candidate. There's another one that's also like, not Peter Parker, but just the same sort of thing, where it's oh, wow. two letters in a row. It's like, uh, somebody's playing a joke on me, I think. Wow, yeah. My buddy Matty Love uh, got one sent to him, but also it was the wrong name. So Yeah. Man, that's fine. I'm planning on voting twice. Uh, you can't do that. It's illegal. Nope, I'm going to do it. It's fine. No, uh, you shouldn't do that. That's, you know. <laughs> Howie Hawkins. Yes, Josh mentions the comments. That that's is Josh. the other person. Uh, both of them definitely fake people, so please don't vote for them. <laughs> They're comic book characters. Yeah. Uh, Rocky Balboa, I believe. Is he on the Philadelphia ballot, Pete? Yes, exactly. He always He's always on the ticket in PA. Oh, nice. Uh, So we have a bunch of guests here on the show today that I'm very excited to have on. Um, Crowdcast, for better or for worse, is not very good about letting me know who people are. Uh, But I think we got uh, our first guest here. We're going to welcome Garrett Gunn into the stream. Garrett is the creator of Warcorns, Combat Unicorns for Hire, uh, which is as extreme and ridiculous and over the top as you'd imagine. Garrett, hey! welcome to the show. How are you? What's Good. Up? I, thought, I thought it was just going to like let me in, and then it was like, ask me 40 questions oh, yeah. after it told me to come in. Yes. Yeah. No, it's I'm good. Uh, How are you guys? Good, good. We just try to have, uh, we try to like weed out you know, the undesirable people. We have our bouncer at the door, not letting anybody wow. in. This is a tricky question. Do I want my audio? You got me. <laughs> mm, no, thanks. I'm good. Uh, Garrett, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, Thank you. Correct me if I'm wrong about this. The first issue of Warcorns already came out. I believe it was a pretty successful Kickstarter. Uh, and then uh, the second issue just came out this month. Is that right? So uh, the first one was actually a one shot. So uh, oh, okay. we did we did a one shot last year uh, because this series was uh, sort of we thought was just going to be a joke and was like <laughs> just like an experiment. Like, haha, wouldn't it be funny if we made like military unicorns? Yeah. Um, and it did so well that people kept it is asking fun. for more. And so 
this new one that just came out is a four issue miniseries, the whole oh, arc wow. uh, that follows the, the original one shot. Yeah. Uh, and for those who can't figure it out for the title, it is a pretty extreme, pretty ridiculous, over the top. Uh, yes. I mean, parody of a My Little Pony style war co- comic is, I think, kind of fair to say, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, I, but I'll tell people at conventions, like, do you like My Little Pony? And they're like, yes, I love Little Pony. Do you, would you want to see My Little Pony kill everyone? And they're like, Sure. I think (laughs) where did the initial conception of the idea come from? I mean, again, I think it's probably pretty clear, but I want to hear from you. (laughs) So, I mean, um, everybody in Warcorns is designed that characters are, are culminations of people I actually served with in the army. Um, and with the Marine Corps and Navy and whatever I was, I was scheduled on a lot of joint bases because of my job. So I was constantly around Marines and air force and Navy and everything. Um, uh, just and what, so people, you know, we'll ask in the comments later, like what was your job? So people will know just, uh, I was a tactical signals intelligence analyst. Oh, so wow. I was, I was deployed to do like uh, pattern and trend analysis of everything. Thing, okay. Things you're not allowed to talk about with other people. Sure, hey, um, hey, hey, all right, you know. Yeah, no, no, that's fine. Uh, so uh, when I came back and like started doing comics, um, I always thought it'd be funny if I could do a book where I could make fun of all those people that I love to make fun of when I was into. Um, and so nothing to me seemed funnier than the idea of like making this these like toxically masculine characters the epitome of like quote unquote girly things. Right. Yeah. So well, cool. I'm going to make them all unicorns. I'm going to make them all sparkle. I'm going to make them all ridiculous. Also, they're going to have machine guns. Like, cause why not? <laughs> um, so it was just this idea that I was like, Oh, it's funny. I can make, you know, Oh, private so-and-so that I served with can now be this person and this person and this person. And yeah. I didn't really care if it did well or if people <laughs> liked it, it was just meant to be a fun one-off. But luckily people did. People so given that you were a part of the military, do you look at this as a parody of the military as well, or is it specifically just about My Little Pony? No, it's definitely a military parody. There's oh, a okay. lot of, especially a lot of social issues and stuff within the military. Um, there is a lot of, uh, uh, yes, it's a parody. <laughs> There's lots of, we, we tackle lots of issues of like people getting out of the military and not mm-hmm. like getting proper benefits and like all everything. So it's a parody of everything. Not to go down to too serious a road, but I'm kind of curious, is that sort of thing frowned upon? Are there people in the military community that are like, dude, don't do that? Or does it not matter? No, I, I, I th- it doesn't matter. I, I think that like anybody, you know, you'll get like certain people that are still in that are like, how, why would you ever talk bad about the Marine Corps? Fucking yet. And I'm like, dude, because the Marines are idiots. Like, and you know, you're idiots. You just can't admit it because you're still a Marine. Like that's, and every single person I know that's read this book that is a vet is like, oh, that's hilarious. I This is just like that time that whatever. Um, Sorry not that, to interrupt. Yeah. I just want to introduce our yeah. third host. Justin's Absolutely. here. Welcome, Justin. How are you? Great to be here. Sorry yeah. to be late. And also, yeah. not to interrupt, uh, you know, when a third person joins, we get a wider angle. And I had to say, sick Dragon Ball Z board behind you, bro. Yes. So that was a gift from Sean Schemmel, Goku, who is my business oh. partner, who is my business partner and also directs uh, Warcorns, the audio drama that goes with Warcorns. Wow. So, nice. uh, huh? at, the t- at the time that we had met, I had never watched Dragon Ball in my life. Wow. Um, and he thought that I wanted to be his business partner because he was Goku. And I couldn't care less. So (laughs) what's funny is he sent me this board and it says, don't use without Senzu beans. And I got it. And I was like, I don't get it. 
Uh, and he was like, Senzu beans, like from Dragon Ball. And I was like, I've never seen Dragon Ball. And he was like, I don't get it. He's all cool. So we can't be friends until you watch some Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's it's a nice little. I've got a I got a gift from my buddy Christopher Sabat Vegeta over there. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, Piccolo, my cool Piccolo things. was my favorite. Piccolo is a better character than Vegeta, in my opinion. But yeah, and, and one up on that, Raditz is better than all of them. So oh, that's my running okay. joke is that when they finally started making me watch Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. I watched like the first episode. I was all, dude, this Raditz guy. That's my that's my dude. That's my dude. <laughs> and, and Sean was like, don't get attached. <laughs> Dead three issue late, three three episodes later. Yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, cool, thanks. Man, <laughs> I I also know what you're talking about. I know Dragon Ball Z. Yes, oh, <laughs> generic anime comment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so now that you had the first issue, now that you're going to the four issue miniseries, is this this is set up as a Kickstarter as well? The four yeah. next four issues. Okay. Yeah. So what did you learn from the first time to this time? What what can you apply? Obviously, like oh doing four issues is different than <laughs> one issue. But yeah. what lessons? What did you get wrong? What did you learn? What are you applying to this time? Right? I mean, I, I I think that I I put a lot of emphasis the first time on making like the most ridiculous looking product that I could. So when we did the first one, I did like this big colorful rainbow cover and like it was all, everything was chromium. Everything we printed was shiny and ridiculous. And then I very quickly realized after we got the product and I had to ship things, I'm all, oh no, like chromium shows everything. And like mm-hmm. all these products show every bit of damage that could have ever existed. And so I'm like very quickly, my, my 200 print run of this that I did, I now only have 80 of them that aren't damaged in some uh-huh. only because like comic book fans are the worst and it'll be like, dude, like this is meant to be looked at and enjoyed. Like, and they're like, dude, excuse me. There's a tiny <laughs> thing of white on my yeah. chromium cover. I want another one. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so this one, I definitely like the perk of this one was that it was for a collected, like big story. And I was like, well, there's no chromium this time. Also, like we're going to print it in like a premium format, like big chunky book. And it's meant to be read. <laughs> so I'm just mitigated. I think the like crazy potential damage that could have happened to books. The other challenge I have to see, say, uh, or could potentially see coming from doing four issues versus the one issue is from a comedic perspective, you can go pretty hard with the first issue, right? You can be like, <laughs> my little pony joke, my little pony joke, my little pony joke. <laughs> now you've got four issues. You've got to flesh that yeah. out more. Has that been more of a challenge? You've got to stretch the puns. Like, that's the, it's mm-hmm. like I have like a pun. The light you know? Stretch the pun. Yeah. That's like yeah. a full time well, job. The, the hard thing with Warcorns is that everybody on the team has their own funny jokes to put in. So then like my artists, like in part of the book, there's like a TV that pops up and the brand is pony instead of Sony ah, and like nice, things like that. And that I didn't even notice or weren't written into the story. So then I'm like, Oh geez, I got to take some of my horse jokes out because now Kit's got horse jokes <laughs> and Dave's got horse jokes and everybody's got jokes. So now I got to, spread the love i gotta um, say when i kind of like read the title and then saw the artwork <laughs> i loved how jacked the corns were it really corn. made it feel <laughs> like a, a military yeah. kind of uh setup so it was uh it was it's you you took it to like i wouldn't say the most crazy like you took it to such a specific cool place that it's very enjoyable yeah Even pete's, when catch, you just, pete's catchphrase on the podcast is jack those corns <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, so I, I guess it makes a lot of sense. Now I get it. Now I now I'll, you get I'll, it. I'll, I'll tell you yeah. personally, I like a good jack corn like anybody else. But yeah. when I'm when I'm really going for it with my elote, I prefer some uh, cojita cheese. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. Totally different uh, direction there. Yeah. Yeah, so when I get jack like corn, you're like, oh, let me get some Monterey Jack cheese and put it on my uh, my elote, my Mexican corn. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there nice. you go. Okay. Oh my god! And I'm saying, let's steal some candy corn. I have a great candy corn heist, <laughs> and I want to jack those corns from the Dwayne Reed up the street. There We've all go. got our own things going on. Is no, the main yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, we got a. Uh, this is a good question, actually. I mean, well, I, I'm going to ask you a question. Off of Don't act so surprised, question. Alex, about the good question. No, this is. I saw half the question because YouTube right now it's like split right down the middle on my screen so I can see the right side of the screen and I was like, oh, these words are good. And then I read the other words and I was like, oh, that's a joke. The joke is from Agitato. So is the fandom of this book dubbed as cro- cro- Cornies? Ooh. Oh, you know, I, there's, we haven't come up with a, with a fan base uh, nickname yet. Uh, like the Cumber Bitches or something like that, but um, huh. we will. Cornies is good. I like Cornies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cornies is good. Yeah. Um, my question, though, and you touched on this a little bit before, is: Have you sold My Little Pony fans on this? What has been yes. their reaction when they actually? One hundred percent. They yeah. love it because I think they. It's not even just the fact that it's also unicorns, um, because that's the easy sell, right? If somebody's like at the booth or is walking by the booth and is wearing something unicorn. It's very easy to be like, you like unicorns? Here's unicorns with guns and here's cool. And they do cool stuff and they go on missions and stuff. I think the easy, like the funnier, more difficult sell, but the more rewarding sell is that like you get to, you run into the, my little pony fans or the furry fans that are very reserved about their fandom. And, and you see the little, like, when you kind of, like, mention, like, yeah, but now they have, like, spaceships and guns, and they go on missions, and they team up with these guys, and they do this. You see the little, like, they don't want to show expression, but they get the little, like, twinkle in there, like, yeah, they kill things. <laughs> um, and you kind of tap into, like, the darker side of these people that are very reserved. and like, oh, I, I don't much care for comic books. Um, that's the thing that, that's way better. It's, it, that's yeah. the better sell. If uh, if somebody does want to pledge the book, and it seems like at least one person here uh, <laughs> already already did it, so you yeah. got that comic book club bump going on. Uh, what can people get off of the Kickstarter? What are the bonuses? Oh my god, there's so much. So we can get. Um, I just, mean, just all of them. It's fine. Obviously, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, you get. We have a normal copy of the book. That's you know just the generic copy uh we do have a kickstarter exclusive cover that is uh, an homage to the full metal jacket movie poster which is like the helmet like the side view helmet nice. yeah. uh, but it says it says like battle ready and always horny which is their tagline um and it's got like the the you know the pinup girl pinup unicorn girl on the on the playing card in the helmet um we have some really cool exclusive variants like the like uh, artists like ryan kincaid did um that are like tie-ins to the universe that are reprints of the first Warhorns book in case people didn't get to read that one they can you know get get it to come with this new one so they're completely caught up um there's you know metal metal movie posters there's stickers there's prints there's tons of stuff it's it's so much the best part though of this campaign was that the the emphasis of this campaign was the story and we decided with this new book to do something that's not a lot of people do, if anybody does, which we've called them experience. Uh, and the experience is that we've brought in 
professional voice actors, professional sound designers, professional, you know, musicians. And when you open the book, there's a QR code in the beginning and you scan that QR code, your phone will stream an entire, you know, performance of these actors voicing what you're reading. So, so as of today, we announced our first cast member who is uh, David Madranga, uh, who voices like Todoroki on My Hero Academia. He's in Tokyo Mm -hmm. Ghoul, Attack on Titan, tons of stuff. Um, We've got other people we're going to be announcing over the next week. Um, But you're going to everything from you hear the gunfire, you hear the helicopters, you hear, you know, tonal music. And then those characters are being acted as, you know, by, or acted by professional voice actors. So that's up. That, that first issue, that's all included in the book. That's just, you just ah. get that for buying the book. Um, do you have, do you have a theme song? <laughs> not yet, but it's in progress. Okay. All yeah. Right. It's going to be very like GI Joe, very, nice. very 80s. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I love how you said GI Joe, and Pete was like, "No further questions." Yeah, I feel like you're, very, you're everything you yeah. say is slowly targeting Pete more. more. Everything <laughs> is just circling. I've got books for you, Pete. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, how long is the Kickstarter running for? How much more? Uh, it's time? got nine more days. So October twenty oh, second is when it when we back. We're already fully funded. Like we're already almost to stretch goal number two. Um, and you know, the stretch goals just keep going. We got like metal trading cards. We're unlocking for all the war corns. Um, we've got like, if we get up there, like the first issue of the experience is all included in the book. And then if we hit stretch goals, we unlock the next issues, like to fill out ah. the rest of the book being performed. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Garrett, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's yeah. a pleasure. Thank Good you luck so much for having me. Thank yeah, good luck much. with the book, man. Have a good night. Thank you. Yeah, Jack the Corns, baby. Yeah, Jack the Corns. There Jack Corns. Jack Corns. Pete, you seem pretty sold on that. I think. Oh yeah, that it's a lot of fun, and uh, I don't know if it's you sent me the first issue or whatever, but uh, very issue, enjoyable. Yeah. Very enjoyable <laughs> read. A lot of fun. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, it was the first issue. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so once again, that's Warcorns Combat Unicorns for Hire by Garrett Gunn, who is our guest. Uh, now, uh, one of our other guests doesn't seem to be here. I'm going to shout about just in case he's listening and <laughs> trapped somewhere on the Internet. Adam Lawson, if you are here, just give a shout out in the comments and let us know. I'll let you in. But uh, in the meantime, we're going to move on to our next. Oh, Phil Superhero Clubs. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Adam, we're going to invite you into the stream. Adam Lawson is uh, one of the creators behind the kill journal. We've chatted with him before. Uh, he has a successful Indiegogo continuing our trend of having people who don't need our help at all. Uh, <laughs> but It is true. We get a lot of people who are like, Oh, I've hit all my goals. I'm just on a sort of a yeah, tour right now. <laughs> yeah. hey, how are you, Adam? Oh, he's oh, gone. He's out. That's hey, it. He's just like, I've already succeeded. I don't yeah, need I've done. I've succeeded. <laughs> I don't need this. Great to be here. Time to oh, pop champagne. Goodness. You know what? I like doing shows on the internet. I think it's great. Yeah. No, but this happens Justin, a lot when we used to do in-person shows where people would pop in and they'd just vanish suddenly. And we were like, where did exactly. they go? We have to find uh, wait, them. Here, I'm going to try to remove him and invite him back in. Uh, Justin, in the meantime, how are you doing? Yeah, Justin, I'm how great. are you doing, buddy? Great to see you guys. Um, another uh, wild week in uh, my life. My my quote-unquote beard goes goes longer. Oh. Hey, hey. Oh, Adam, okay. you're here now. Oh, oh man. <laughs> You keep falling for it. 
Oh my goodness. This I is a classic bait and switch. And the people on the audio podcast, I think, are gonna love this. This is a oh, fun yeah. bit yeah. where our guest keeps coming in and then uh keeps getting kicked out. We're gonna try one more time, Adam, pull you into the stream, see what happens. Everybody oh, you're saying calm. it's only one more time? You're limiting him to one more attempt? Yeah. Yeah, wow. he's done. He's out. Alex, harsh, harsh rules in this baseball society. Yeah. Okay, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm not touching anything. <laughs> yeah, don't touch anything. I'm not going to touch a single and thing. away from the computer. All right. Yeah, yeah, Quickly, yeah, Adam, before down. you get cut off again, what's the kill journal? Quick, say it quick. Quick, quick, quick. It's, it's a horror graphic novel. Um, um, obviously, by the title of it, it's a horror graphic novel that sort of takes place after the end of the horror movie, right? After the last couple yeah. survivors are sitting around covered in mud and blood and their friends are all dead and their homes are burned down and the cops are coming in to still to speak, rescue them. Um, and the credits roll, that's when this story picks up when these people whose lives and all the, all the people they love and their home has all been destroyed and shattered and wrecked. And now they have to cope. Um, and so they find themselves at St. George's church where he runs these support groups for people who are trying to cope with trauma at that insane level that we, you know, laugh at while we eat popcorn. Um, and what they, turns out is this preacher is a bit half mad himself and a revenant, which is a vengeful spirit back from the dead, kind of like a slasher, if you will, like a Freddy or Jason, butchered his church, his congregation, and he's now set up his church as a training camp. And he's recruiting those looking for a way to cope and the way that they're choosing to cope is by picking up baseball bats and chainsaws and going to get revenge as we yeah. do as yeah. we do it is right as anybody listening can, uh, can probably imagine it's pretty gross pretty bloody pretty violent uh it reminded me a little bit of the garth ennis book crossed just yes. visually was that wow. an yeah. inspiration at all or you seem a little reticent to call are people calling that out too much <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 they are. No one's calling out. I mean, that got very, very graphic in regards to like sort of like crudity as well. This is just sort of graphic in regards to, um, you know, like people getting hacked, you know, and to try and Mm. keep it like an actual slasher film via comic book. Right. Mm -hmm. So it still had that tone, but it's like a spider movie with a conscience. Right. Because these people are trying to cope with the demons inside as much as the demons they're hunting, so to speak, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because I always kind of wanted, you know, it's like when I was watching horror movies as a kid, I was wondering, it's like, you know, how come they pull back the shower curtain? You know, it's always a teenage girl that Jason's going to be after. Why does he pull back the shower curtain and it's Bruce Willis with an angry look on his face? (laughs) Yeah. Or just a, sh- a shaved down bear or something fun. Enough. I mean, yeah. same diff, same diff. Surprise with the shower curtain. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I think the bear is the right approach. Now that you think about it, a very yeah. old man who's <laughs> fully soaped up. That's yeah, fully. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's this kind of feeling where it's like, what if we take these people who at the core of the story became victims and they're trying to regain control of their life and they're in, in this hyper violent setting, right? So it, it gets these nice mixed tones of well, a story that's both vulnerable and, and violent, right? And well, that's what I love that about the about the uh, the premise because when you're sort of immerse yourself in this genre, you need to still go in a direction. You can't just play out the genre. And to be able to exactly. follow it in that way, I think is really smart. Yeah, thank you for that because I I feel like too that it's like it's it's a it's not that I'm the only one that's ever done a story about survivors, um, but that I hopefully I've done it in a way that no one else has, and our cast of characters have complexity to them, right? Because 
And lots of times when a revenant comes through and wipes out people, it's they are you're somewhat to blame, unfortunately, right? You were at the wrong party. Uh, you took your kid to an event you shouldn't have. You were mad at yeah. your dad, so you said, I hate you in the mirror ten times at midnight. And that inspired these revenants to come. So there's they have some guilt because they feel a little bit like, man, that was partly me. Yeah. Um, that they're yeah. that they're dealing with in this process. Plus, survivor's guilt is a real thing too. So, like, that's also got to be part of it. Absolutely right. One of the characters, Sydney, who survived, she ends up attempting to commit suicide and fails at it and gets comes to the church because it's like everybody's mad that you're the one that survived and not their kid. Yeah. Right? It wasn't yeah. their wife or sister or friend. It was you, and yeah. it's upsetting. Um, which is a shame, but it happens, right? And so I wanted to kind of create these feelings of these people who have now been hardwired by this trauma. And so they're packing pocket knives and double checking shadows because they know what can really come out in the darkness. Um, And so I think that it's, you know, it's got this beautiful art by Jason Krager as well, too, which is gritty and beautiful uh, and colored by a guy named Steve Cannon. And and so the and I, I put in a leather bound edition. Um, so that it, it, and I did these old, I took all these designs from old Catholic Bibles and etched them into it. Ooh, Cause like wow, the preacher, ooh. right. He, he's like, you know, he's a Catholic preacher. And so he like took one of his Catholic Bibles and uses that like as his kill journal. Right. Wow. So in an ultra meta way, which I think you guys might appreciate in the comic book, he's writing in the kill journal, right. About these revenants yes. and how to get them. And then you're reading that book that he's writing inside of the book. No. And then when you uh, get then, to the end of the comic, your name is at the end of it, and you're yeah. like, "Oh shit, I got oh, killed!" Shit, yes, yeah. the never ending <laughs> you story. Did, when you finish the book, that's cool. Yeah. When you yeah. finish the book, you've yep. got to take up the list and kill a bunch of people. Okay, different take. That's exactly <laughs> right. different take. <laughs> yeah, there's a list of some people you put anybody's name on that list. Yeah, get, you got to fill in your own list and be part of the solution. Yeah. Well, that's the fun. It's like the old yeah. Marvel bullpen. It would be like, finish this fun game, except it's a kill list. Yeah. You can write in the names yeah. you want. <laughs> that's exactly right. could be anybody you don't like. And in a year like this, I can't imagine there being anybody you don't like. Yeah, exactly. That's true. Um, I'm dying. Quick, my list is empty. Yeah, <laughs> real quick, let's go around the horn. Who's the number one person you want to kill? Pete, you go first. <laughs> just call it out. We're just on an audio podcast. It's fine. Don't even worry. And no. let's not say anybody yeah. who's literally in the same. Yeah, yeah I don't now. think it will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't know where I am. I just pointed down, but we have yeah, to. Yeah, it was that. my screen. It was <laughs> right at Justin. Oh, Justin's blown. Justin's blown. It's yeah. weird. Yeah. It yeah. is weird. You nailed me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, again, Adam, you're Indiegogo, very successful, completely fully funded, doing really well. At this point, what is the stretch goal? What are you aiming for with this one? Oh, you're uh, sorry. Yeah, you're so close. You're very close to the close, goal. Yeah. I got that wrong. You're like you're just there. Just there. Yeah. We're trying to get 12,000 to get funded. And then our stretch goals, what I wanted to do was um, I wanted to build these six page origin stories. And there's four of them for each of our heroes. Cause what I didn't want to do is I, at least I don't love in comics. And we get, let's get into origin story for 40 pages. And they're like, are we going to like, yeah, we're good. So, so, you know, each of the characters you get a, you know, in between text and um, between some flashback panels, you get a sense of what brought them there. Um, then you're really about the story they're on and their struggles. And then, but I wanted to be able to, to pinpoint the nights they were each attacked. And it's in these dossier files. Oh, that's and cool. St. George has kept these files of what was the night 
that happened to them. And so it allowed me to also hire four different writers besides myself, four different artists and colorists to do those. So that it was cool to then that the world of the kill journal isn't just what's in my head. There's some other great creators that got to fit in uh, a good friend of mine, Christoph Wyatt, who writes an Ninjago and Venom animated series. Yeah. He wrote, wrote one of the tales. Um, and it's just a cool way to expand the universe at the end. I, I thought that was Headlopper, And when I got to the end of volume three, they did like these yeah. little bits with different artists and yeah, writers. Yeah. That was fun. Um, and was that cool? One, yeah. one of my favorite yeah. novels ever, but um, <clears throat> it was, it was really Headlopper's cool. Headlopper's phenomenal. So that's, it's the best, right? I mean, I'm yeah. being like, I just love him. Yeah. He and Daniel Warren, those are my favorites. But, um, <clears throat> you know, so so I, so that's, those are the stretch goals that I'm really hoping to unlock. And with the power of Comic Book Club Live, I'm sure that will happen. Yes. Yeah. You're going to get that bump, shot. man. You're going to yeah. get that bump. And was, yeah. And I was saying, it's funny, I remember you saying uh, that you got your start kind of in the Nerdist days of early Hardwick. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's yes. where we were doing our show for a while, but we ended up getting picked up by Nerdist, did the videos, uh, video stuff there, yeah. the podcast started yeah. there, all that. Uh, so yeah, there yes. you go. Awesome. Yeah, I started early on that side as well, too. Um, anyways, but that, that's oh, a funny cool. note. Yeah. yeah. yeah awesome. Yeah. Uh, Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show. Good seeing you again. Uh, again, Pleasure. everybody, check out the project. Yeah. Go support it's it. Cool. Have a great night, Adam. It's go time. It's good. Yeah, it's good time. Remember, and remember to say the name Adam Lawson when the cops come for you yeah. about your kill list. <laughs> no, who told when you? you when people are like, "What? Well, where'd you get the idea for this kill list?" Adam, say the name. <laughs> Thanks, guys, for having me on. Appreciate it. All right. Take Thanks, care Adam. Later. All right. Once again, the name of that project is The Kill Journal. It's on Indiegogo right now and is very, very close to his goal. So head over there. Help him get it over the top. Uh, and we are going to welcome in our next guest, one of our favorite yeah. writers, Woo-hoo. one of our favorite folks to have on the show. We've chatted with him before. Fabian DeSuiza, everybody. Hey, hey. Hey. How are you? Guys, loving that beard. Look at uh, that. Thank <laughs> you. And I That's love the drumming sauna that you're coming to us from. Yeah, this is my, my screened-in porch in the backyard. And Scott Lobdell is calling me up. Hold on a second. Oh, oh shit! Get God. him on the show. Get him on the show. <laughs> no, he hung up because I didn't. He hung up because I didn't answer after two rings. <laughs> wow, no, very. His time is money. You got to know. Oh no, he's he's LA, so he's probably spinning six calls at once. Barf. Oh, <laughs> While he's driving a car into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, Hilarious. everybody? Uh, good, Fabian. Good you to... are so busy right now. You have so many projects yes. going on. I'm trying to uh, cut the lens flare off. Um, the J.J. Abrams flare off the top of my. It looks like you're taking a journey into darkness. I love it very much. It's a crystal uh, ball. It's going to tell us our future, please. <laughs> I am uh, very busy the last year. It's been, it's been really fun. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, let's kick it off talking about one of your recent Marvel projects, which uh, Pete and I talked about on the stack. Justin, I think you were off for this one, but uh, Juggernaut right. just came out yeah. from Marvel. For anybody who hasn't picked it up, uh, I got to be honest, I saw your name on it. I was like, OK, I like it as a writer, but I'm not sure about a Juggernaut book. But we read that first issue and loved it. It went in away. completely different directions than we expected. Of course uh, 
<laughs> of course, of course. Uh, but uh, the thing that it was fun about it is you expect Juggernaut to just be the dude who smashes through things. And he, he can't stop him, et cetera, et cetera. But you really inject a lot of character in him and in the book. What was the process like there? What what was the initial pitch, and how did you build them um, up? Actually, it wasn't a pitch. Uh, oh, really? Got, not to sound like an arrogant ass, which I am. Uh, I don't. But yeah, I, I don't. I don't pitch. It. I don't pitch anymore. I stopped pitching a long, long time ago yeah, because I, I felt it wasn't a useful uh, uh, allotment of my time. Uh, so when I get a call. Uh, I, I, I feel the offer and, and I don't get mm-hmm. that many calls from Marvel or DC, but when I do, I feel the offer. And if I'm interested, I, I say, yeah, that's interesting. And if I'm not, I say, no, thank you. Um, and if they don't pick up after two rings, then, then they're cut <laughs> off and I drive into a tree. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, but, but Jordan White, the ex editor at Marvel, oh, um, yes. out, of the, oh. out of the blue called me up the week, the week after Labor Day. So that Monday, that week. Uh, and I only remember it specifically because several things happened that week that were really really cool all one after another um so jordan called me up and he said uh would you be interested in in doing a juggernaut miniseries and i hadn't done any mainstream marvel stuff for two years at least i think since the secret war stuff um and i've done a lot of custom comics for marvel a lot which you guys would never even see but but i hadn't done any mainstream stuff um and and my first my first inclination is always to say no to Marvel or DC, but um, but 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 he said Juggernaut, and I like Jordan a lot, and I really loved what I'd read so far of the Hickman X stuff because the Powers and House miniseries had just come out that yeah. summer, um, and I really liked it because I thought well, where's Juggernaut fit into all that if, if mutants aren't allowed on Krakoa? And Jordan said, exactly. Where's Juggernaut fit in if, he, if mutants aren't allowed? What does he do? And I was like, yeah, I'm sold. Yes, let me think about it. I'll pitch. And before he he got off the phone, he said, oh, by the way, the gem was ripped out of his body and he lost his powers and he was exiled to limbo. <laughs> the last time Matthew Rosenberg wrote him, it's almost like, and click, the phone hangs up. And you're like, son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> and and if, I were, if I were a writer under the age of, let's say, 45 working in Marvel or DC Comics right now, I would have ignored it and Juggernaut would have shown up with his armor and his gem and none of you as readers would have had a clue what happened. But because Mm -hmm. I'm an old man, I I had to tell that story so that I could bridge the continuity gap. Uh, I'm sorry. I said, I cursed. I said continuity on the show. Um, Everyone has to drink. I wish I had my bourbon with me. I just have water. Um, (laughs) I just, um, I just took it. Yeah, count it. The perfect <laughs> opportunity to have a through line for the miniseries. How, how did he get back? And ultimately, thematically, what does that mean? How important is the power to him? That's a through line to the miniseries because in the present day, he's trying to figure out who he is. But we flash back to just a few months ago. Then ultimately, it bridges the gap to a few weeks ago, you know, um, and, and show how he got this new armor and what he did to get it and what it means to him. And at the same time, we're questioning why does it mean that to him? Why does he need it? Who is he without it? And, and the answer is not much. Um, yeah. so, so the the one thing that the, and the response has been great. I really appreciate the positive response the book has gotten. Uh, working with Ron Garney and Matt Miller is phenomenal because they're both incredibly gifted, great artists to work with. Um, and, and the thing that really 
I've, I've taken away from the last few weeks of response on the first issue is that not many people must have read my X-Men Forever miniseries back in like 2004, <laughs> um, 2003, because everyone's saying, wow, the juggernaut has not been handled like this. We haven't said that entire miniseries was really my handling of Kane Marco. And I tried to leave him in a place that could have set up a whole bunch of stories with him. He was going to be a, a bounty hunter for the superhuman registration act going after bad guys. And it was going to be his way of commuting down his sentence uh, that he oh, had. Cool. Right. But that yeah. entire miniseries, uh, and it was a gift to Kevin McGuire that nine times out of 10, anytime we traveled back in time to see what was going on with juggernaut. He was either in limbo or out in space or in a magical dimension or trapped in concrete for a year. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And, and it was to show him what a complete loser he is and how bad his life has been and how useless he's been. So I, I got to be honest with you. I just basically picked up from that last issue and and started my first issue taking recent continuity into account. But from a character standpoint, I just picked up from where I left him off, Um, not to disrespect other other writers. But thematically, it flowed really smoothly into what I wanted to do with this miniseries. Now, why is the juggernaut your guy? Why is Kane Marco like your guy? I, I just like the character. I've always liked the character since I was a little kid. Um, he was just he was just unexpe- an unexpectedly interesting visual. And, and even though I didn't read the X Men that much, I saw him pop up in a bunch of books. He appeared uh, in books that I would I would read, um, and, and I found them interesting. But it wasn't until you know Chris and Dave Cockrum first brought him back in, in Uncanny X Men that I really started to enjoy him. Um, and and to me, my favorite issue with him was uh, the Chris and John Romita Jr. issue where him and Colossus got in a fight in a bar. Yeah. Uh, and I liked that a lot because yeah, it, was, yeah. it was Kane not trying to be a juggernaut. It was Kane <laughs> not preferring to fight. And I, and I liked that. I found it interesting. So the times I've gotten to write him, you know, have been sporadic, but I've always enjoyed it. Um, I just like big doofus characters that that don't know any better, but kind of in a way want to try, but they're so dumb. They, they make the same, they make the same mistake over and over and over again. Um, I, I like characters that, that are either super extremely arrogant, like cable or something. And, and I like yeah. characters that always pick themselves up and dust themselves off and keep trying. Uh, Deadpool is like that too. You know, oh, yeah. the character that fails, all the time because he's supposed to fail. He's Wiley Coyote, right? Um, but but Juggernaut is kind of like that. Um, and and I just I just liked it. And and I just came up with the dynamic of having uh, the new character D Cell, who um, uh, kind of be Arya to his Hound. Uh, from right. when Game of Thrones was good and we could talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from my understanding, we're not allowed to talk about Game of Thrones anymore. It doesn't exist. Um, so, so I just like that dynamic. I like, I like um, almost a, a voice of a voice of possibility in his head. You, you can you can try this. It's a whisper in his ear. You can do this. And she's got her own ulterior motives, too. But but um, but ultimately, he needs someone to kind of tell him what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and and until he gets to a place and he does by the end of the miniseries where he's ready to start making some decisions and some choices uh, for himself. Uh, so there's plenty of stories that can be told with the character, whether Marvel wants to or not mm-hmm. um, is up to them in terms of the status quo. I try to set up. Uh, but the whole miniseries is really a drive. Or a march, if you will, because it's juggernaut um, toward towards towards finding a goal in life that works for him, 
Um, and it's not a Pollyanna do-gooder goal or anything like that, but you'll, I think you'll find that the, the space I find for him is kind of interesting. Um, right. I know you mentioned this is kind of the mystery of the series, so I'm not plumbing for spoilers or anything, but where did the new armor come from? Was that a Ron Garney design? Did you collaborate on that? Uh, actually, that- it, it, is, it is what works really well in my career is when I draw a really bad version of something <laughs> I have in my head that looks mm. really good in my head but doesn't come out right on paper. The, and the artist then goes, all right, I get what you were going for, <laughs> you kooky kid, but let me draw it because I'm a professional artist and I know what the hell I'm doing. Um, so I, had, I, I designed the armor and I sent it to Ron and, and I said, Ron, this is what I'm going for. There, there's openings in the space and uh, light from Satoric is getting out from underneath it because there's stuff underneath it that we don't know about yet that we'll see. Um, and, and Ron yeah. just came back with that. And when Ron came back with that, you're like, oh, crap. Yes, that's why <laughs> yeah. I stopped drawing when I that's why I stopped drawing three weeks into my job at Marvel, because I realized it was <laughs> never going to happen. Um, huh. and, and, and so there's this whole story behind the armor because the gem was ripped out of his body. It was crushed. Um, into into little pieces and he was sent to limbo right so all we've seen so far is 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 him getting out of limbo that's all we've seen we haven't seen what he's what he had to do to try to find a way to to regain an armor it's not his original armor um but 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 it is it is a new armor um and, and there's different there's different dynamics to it as a result. And, and some of it's hard to get across on, 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 in a comic book. Uh, if Avier Arad were producing the 1990s Iron Man cartoon uh, and it was a juggernaut cartoon, every episode would have that cutaway scene where you see him armor up because Avi wanted toys, baby. So, so the juggernaut armor actually kind of armors up and appears in plates on him. But we don't really get that across in the comic book because it would take up two pages to do and it's just not worth it um especially since marvel cut two pages out of the books like 10 years ago i'm still crying about that <laughs> you guys probably don't even realize that you're still you're paying more money and you don't even know you're you're paying for 20 pages instead of 22 <laughs> no i read i read comics for the ads there I've you go you read a story <laughs> i uh, see the sea monkeys in the background good <laughs> yeah, yeah so all sea monkeys these uh, things really you, grow up big they do they really <laughs> let them go <laughs> uh, you have a bunch of other projects you're working on, and I do want to talk about those, including Outrage for Webtoon. Yeah. Uh, finished up the first, uh, what are we calling them, season of it yeah, and heading into season two. Yeah. Uh, the uh, There's a couple of interesting things about Outrage. One of the things that's interesting is the format of it, the format of Webtoon, which I guess it's 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 specifically for mobile. Is that right? The, not specifically, because I read it on my okay. iPad. And I, I can okay. read it on my laptop, too. Um, I prefer either my iPad or my laptop because my eyes are so bad I can't read it on my mobile. Sure. <laughs> like 12, 12, year old, 12 year old kids, they can just go and scroll and they can see everything. Us old men are like, what? What the hell? Wait, what um, is this? <laughs> so so it, it, it is a vertical scroll, which is intended for, for mobile usage because um, Webtoon is owned by Naver, which is a Korean company. And the, yeah. the, the predominance of their audience is Asian. Um, although they are global and have grown globally quite a lot in the last few years that they did start out for Asian marketplaces. Um, And right now we get 
I get more people reading Outrage than have read any Marvel or DC comic I've written in wow. 25 years, right? Since wow. the mid nineties. Um, and most of them are, are Asian teenagers, I guess. Uh, so we, got, I'm, I'm doing super good with that Asian, Asian teenage girl market. Um, that's a strong so, market. That's a strong, well, strong market. Honestly, like, I mean, I know you're joking, but it is, and it's something that I think is very undervalued by people who spend a lot of time talking about mainstream Marvel oh. and DC comics, where it's like, that's a whittling down part of the market and yeah. Webtoon and everything else is just exploding. All I don't the time. even have those conversations with people anymore because they're operating from a deficit of information. So I don't even bother because <laughs> yeah. trying to inform them is useless. Um, so the, 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 the audience is, is really strong. We, we did really well for Webtoon. We were the only uh, one of their North American launches, uh, besides being the, the, the highest subscribed, um, we, we were the only one that came out every single week for 26 chapters. Um, mm-hmm. And it was not easy because by the last chapter, we, we sent it to them at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And it was live at like 7 o'clock Eastern oh, time. Wow. For, Get it up, which, print it, print it. It was really surreal. That's never happened to me. Even at the, it, the closest I've ever come is like I think two weeks or one week from shipping, you know, where the book goes out of the office and then it was in stores two weeks later. This was literally just three hours later. It's live and wow. people are commenting on what you just tweaked like, you know, that morning. Um, so, so we don't – we didn't want to get into that problem again, so we wanted to have a lot of chapters in, in the can before we started it because it comes out weekly. It's a weekly chapter, and it's the equivalent of about six pages a week. Um, unfortunately, the pandemic hit, and apparently I've come to understand that artists who have young children in their homes apparently <laughs> struggle to find time to work <laughs> when a <laughs> pandemic hits. I wouldn't know because I'm fine. (laughs) I'm like, I'm surfing this guilt surfboard because my life has been wonderful the last year. Um, But are you saying you're available to babysit? I am available to babysit if it means we get some chapters out quicker. Um, We, we, season two should have come out by now. It's all on us. It it really is. The, the contract to, to do season two took a while, but that's just normal business bullshit. Um, oops, I said business. Um, so, (laughs) but, but the truth of the matter is, is that it's on us that it hasn't come out yet because we've just gone too slow. That being said, we have banked 16 or 17 chapters out of 30. Um, so we we're, we are moving. We're getting there. I just got letter proofs for two chapters today from Papra. So the letter. So we're moving. The, the The biggest sin is that the book will probably come out after the elections. And I'm mm. I'm so hopeful that we have a change of administration, even though it makes my entire season of outrage feel a little less as a result. I'm willing to sacrifice <laughs> that yes. um, because it, a lot of outrage season two is outrage coming out into the real world. People mm-hmm. manifesting themselves, impersonating outrage as a way of manifesting their own outrage. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think that's going to go away November 4th, mind you. Um, but, yeah, but, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I think this outrage is going to be marketable. It's going to stick around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tell you, kid, there's something there in that outrage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, Anger, but, you stay okay. Let me give this emotion a, a try. <laughs> I have an entire chapter with a, a cartoon version of Trump. 
um, which was, it's almost adorable. And, and Riley was terrified that I was going to go way over the top with it. And it went the exact opposite direction. It actually almost became sweet um, because it's a kid's imagination. It's almost like Calvin and Hobbes. And it's a, oh, wow. a, the, the kid who ended up with the president's phone at the end of season one of Outrage because the Outrage was locked in the president's phone. Um, and so mm-hmm. the president just threw it out without even thinking about it. Um, there's a little kid who has it and he's imagining that he's talking and interacting with Trump because because, you know, he doesn't have any real friends. And uh, I meant the kid, not Trump. Uh, so, <laughs> but but Riley drew this great little cartoony version of Trump, like a tie all the way down to the floor and a, rum, a big nah. suit and big wavy hair. It was really it's really kind of cute. Um, so so I, I actually as a writer, I was willing to explore avenues where even I could try to humanize Donald Trump. So that mm-hmm. that that either Oof. makes me. Uh, insane or it makes me the greatest living writer on earth <laughs> yeah <laughs> no in between but no i did manage to humanize him um so yeah. outrage season two um will absolutely no doubt about it premiere before the end of the year we're really hoping we're hoping by the end of this month i just don't think we're going to get there um so so i think by mid to late november we sh- uh webtoon has to have enough confidence to log go because not only is it a weekly launch, but they start with four chapters dropping at once. Mm. So right off the bat, week one, you lose a month on your schedule buildup. You know what I mean? So it's yep. it's a numbers game, and we got to make sure yeah. that we stay ahead of it. Of course, that's good. That's the you, we we're, we're ready to wait for it. I mean, for I God's appreciate sakes, it. That's what this whole thing's about. It's the, been a lot of fun. It's a really fun book to work on. It's just been because the season's been so sporadic because uh, of the, the turnaround of work. I feel a little disconnected to it because sometimes mm. stuff I plotted. Four or five months ago, I'm just getting the script, you know, now. So I, I haven't yeah. had the same kind of emotional connection to it that I did the first season when we were just sort of consistently, mm-hmm. you know, getting stuff turned around. Mm-hmm. Well, that said, if anybody has not read it, you can go webtoon right now and read everything free. For right? free. Free, free. Great. Uh, there'll be paywalls yeah, with the second season, but I think that's advanced chapter previews as a paywall okay. that they're going to have. I, 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 I'm not sure of the details because I don't pay attention to details anymore. Um, but I think that um, you can still read season one for free, even up to the point where season two starts. I hope because mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't agree with them if they chose not to do that. I think it's smart to keep season one free while you're trying to get interest in, in a new season coming out. Yeah. And it's the same creative and, team. Everyone's the same. Riley Brown, Jay Riley. Leaston inking, uh, Matt Herms coloring, and Paprosel lettering. The whole team is together uh, carrying through. Uh, and, and I think it, it looks really good. I think it reads really fun. Uh, it's, it's different from season one, but it's, it's still a lot of fun. Cool. And you also have a novel, novel coming out, right? Suburban <gasps> X. Thanks for asking. Multimedia. Last year, at the end of the year, I had the incredible good fortune to sell my first novel. Um, It is called Suburban Dicks. It is a sarcastic (laughs) suburban mystery. Uh, I, I started writing it in late 2017. As not a not as a full time thing, just as a side thing. I told my wife, "Hun, I want to. I want to. I want to write a book. Finally, I've had a book that I've wanted to write since 1993. I've had the idea for the book, the title, the characters, everything, and I just never felt confident enough with my prose. And I just wanted to try. And and I had a really good 2017, so I had got a little grace for 2018. I could make a little less money in 2018. Um, So I I worked on the book little by little, just in bits and pieces. It was never an everyday thing. Uh, I got encouragement as I was going along from a few different people who were reading it, um, and, and that let that gave me impetus to keep going. 
but I had a lot of loss in my life in 2018. Um, I, I, it's, it's entertaining now, but it wasn't at the time. I, I lost wow. my mom, my wow. dog, and my dad in order over the span of like oh. seven months oh, in 2018. And, and, and what really annoyed me the most about it is that every single time I, I started to get my wind back, I, every time I recovered and started working again, somebody else died. So yeah. it was just really annoying. Um, so <laughs> once I got all of them out of the way, I was able to focus on my book again. Like, this is the right. Deadpool in me coming out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love my mom and my dad. Yeah. My, for crying out loud, look, my dog is still even on my screen oh, on my phone oh, two years later. So, um, but my mom was 97. My dad was 89. They, they you know, they lived, oh, they lived a, a long, healthy yeah. life. Um, uh, so, so I got, I got the book done um, by, by the end of 2018. Um, and, and I spent most of 2019 rewriting and cutting because I, I hired an editor to read it, et cetera, et cetera. I tried to do it right. Um, yeah. all along telling my wife, honey, if I sell this, it'll be to a mystery paperback publisher. If I'm lucky, I'll get five to $10,000 for it. She was like, why? Like, <laughs> um, and I got an agent through contacts with coworkers that I have at Starlight Runner Entertainment in New York. Um, I got an agent at UTA who, who was oh. interested in the book's concept, the idea, um, and, and read the manuscript and really was happy with it, which I was like, wow, um, and wanted the agency to represent it. So once I got an agent, then I was kind of in the game. I, I, th- ah, this could awesome. be real. Um, so I cut another 50 pages out of the book. <laughs> My original Ooh. manuscript was like 540 pages, which is ridiculous. Um, it wow. ended up being about 375. Um, I didn't know any better. I was just writing badly. Um, I, cut, I cut, I cut, I cut. Um, and, and we went out to auction in November of last year. Five publishers wanted to buy it. Um, oh, we ended up with an auction. Wow. Uh, it was down to two publishers. Uh, because it was down to two, they made it a two-book deal instead of a one-book deal. So you. I sold a two-book deal. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, at mean, the same time, it's actually before, taking the risk to like write it on your own. Just like, hey, well, I'm going to make less money this year, and to go that hard, and then end up getting a two-book deal out of auction on it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. My wife has been pandemic happy. She's okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> financially. The, it covered me basically it's not it's it was really good money but the way the payments get broken down it's actually not all that different than what you'd have to make in a year anyway you know right. you got whatever your figure is 100 150 200 whatever your figure is you got to break that down every year and fill the buckets that's what freelancers have to do you know um, so i had my number that i know i gotta make every single year we still had college tuitions to pay on, on my son we're wow. done finally we just finished a few weeks ago um i should be having a bourbon every night man exactly um, <laughs> So, yeah, was that a water it. glass we, or was that we, full of bourbon? We paid his last <laughs> tuition payment like at the end of August, the beginning of September. It was amazing. Oh. Um, so so uh, it, it's just it's just replacing work. So I got to write the book instead of doing X amount of comic books or X amount of intellectual property management. Or I was doing animation Bibles. I, I was doing about one a year at least, and those always pay like 25K. So you got to just figure it all out. You got to, you know. Um, so the book just ended up making my life a lot easier. I, it's already figured out for me. I got to write my second book this year and oh. and I get installment payments as I hand that stuff in and then I get installment payments on the first book as it moves forward um right. so so 
the 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 book already had TV interest before it was even bought by a publisher. It's we've been negotiating with a TV. I, I can't say what it is, but it's a well known streaming platform. I will say that um, it, it, has Quibi. Quibi. It's it, be. it has Quibi. Quibi. What? <laughs> Quibi. Uh, just Alex Quibi. and I being straight up assholes. <laughs> so we haven't signed the deal yet, but we probably will soon. We're just quibbling over some things in the contract. Um, quibbling. No. Oh, I didn't even mean that as a joke, but that's very clever. Maybe if I had a better offer from Quibi, I would have gone with that. Yeah. <laughs> so then I could have read I could have read Outrage and watched my show at the exactly. same time. Exactly. Keep it all on the phone. So so I I, I I think it's very TV-able as a book and the characters yeah. especially. It's um a 33-year-old a woman who should have been an FBI profiler, but she's now pregnant with her fifth kid. And the reason she didn't become a FBI profiler is because she became pregnant with her first kid at the end of her college days um, and ended up getting married instead of going to Quantico. So, um, and a, a reporter who won a Pulitzer prize in college, who's now almost turning 30 and he's working for a weekly suburban newspaper. <laughs> so we can only imagine what the, tr- what the track of his twenties was. Um, yeah. And the two of them used to know each other when they were younger. Cause she used to date his older brother in high school. He, she's four years older than him. There's a gas station attendant murdered in West Windsor, New Jersey. Uh, and, uh, which is basically where I live, West Windsor, Plainsboro. And, and she starts Jersey. to investigate because she suspects that there's something more going on than what the murder, what the police think are saying. And it starts to uncover a murder that happened 50 years ago. And the gas station attendant was killed as a means of keeping that covered up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the, the book is, is it's a, it's a sarcastic kind of tone to the whole thing. It skewers sub suburbia. Uh, but both characters have a kind of a, a lot of a lot of um, uh, heady arrogance to them that that propels the whole story forward in a way because they're both so driven to redeem themselves. They're both you know she's mm-hmm. so driven to to prove to herself that this should have been her life, and he's he's driven to redeem himself. Um, as he says, I just want the I want a Netflix documentary, you know. Um, so <laughs> so, so it, um, I came up with it back in the early nineties, and character wise, it was me asking myself. I'm doing all this X crap. It's selling all these copies. It's making all this money. I'm 32 years old. What the hell else am I going to do? I didn't expect <laughs> this. I didn't plan for this. I didn't. I, I thought that it was going to be a much slower, more gradual sort of a, a thing. Um, whoa, we lost Alex. So I, I just. Um, uh, I'm still here. Are you? So, so for me, it was really. Um, it, it was really about exploring my own insecurities about what my career was going to be. Um, and doing it through characters who achieved something very young, in this case, back in their college days, um, and, and now needed to redeem themselves. Um, so I, the character templates never faded in my mind. They were always very strong. Yeah. And the, the, the publishers really were attracted to that. The TV people were really attracted to that. It's a very diverse book because my area where I live is incredibly diverse also. Um, so So it's got a lot of Asian white uh, cultural uh, subtext to it, um, which I think helps the book a lot too. Um, the, she, she's she's Caucasian Jewish and and he's uh, Chinese American. So so the nice. two main characters you know have some diversity in themselves. Look, I can even do a quick sneak peek, even though it hasn't been officially yeah. released. Ooh. Yeah, oh, oh, look at nice. that, man! It's so exciting to have your name. 
on something yeah, like that. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So, that's a great. Yeah, cover it's really too. cool. It's really cool. Yeah, I cool. I always wanted to write a book, but I never thought I could. Is what it amounted to. And any times I tried, I wasn't happy with what I did. Uh, a, a little secret is I actually had almost 300 pages of a Gambit novel written for oh, Byron wow. Price book back uh-huh. in the early aughts, and Marvel killed the licensing deal with Byron Price books. So my oh, book, no. along with about three or four others oh, that were wow. already in progress, all got killed. But the Gambit wow. book was uh, 300, 300 pages was about two-thirds of the way done. That's a lot of people. It was going to be a pretty big book, and, the, and that's what the, the publisher, Byron Price, wanted it to be a big book. So, you know, I haven't read it in 20 years. and I, I dread, can't imagine I dread the, the number I dread of the times. thought of reading it now. I don't even want to think about what it reads like, but, but exi- <laughs> it exists on a little 3M hard disk. <laughs> like we just oh, slide into our laptops. Just get that out. Wow. Just put novel exists. And <laughs> since n- the, the laptop I have right now doesn't have a disk. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Right. Like, oh, yeah. I can't he read charge, it. He could charge that disc with uh, energy and throw and blow up uh, a you know what the book is probably so bad that that's probably the only good use it has <laughs> i can't imagine the number of times the word share sherry is in there uh, uh yes and a lot of d's a lot of letter d's yeah uh, <laughs> apostrophe okay, d apostrophe uh, dems and speaking, that was labdell speak- man not me <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> get him back. Hey, he's on the phone. Get him back on the phone. Yeah, he's <laughs> gonna call him up and go, "Damn those bastard!" Click, click. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we can't hang uh, up phones anymore, I, you can't you can't hang up a cell phone dramatically yeah. like you could do in the old movies. I'll slam the phone down. And uh, every try. time I break my iPhone in half, yeah. that's what I do. <laughs> Uh, talking about X-Men again, we do have a question here on YouTube for you from Ramsey Hassan says, gigantic figure nineties X work. Are there any unfulfilled X stories you want to unearth now that you're back at Marvel? Who's asking that? Who? Uh, (laughs) Ramsey Hassan. Okay. Uh, back at Marvel. I'm a freelancer. Technically we never leave anywhere. We're just like, we're like, (laughs) we're like COVID. It lingers on clothes for a while. Um, (laughs) It's interesting you ask that only because maybe I just wrote a couple issues that might have been a story that that I didn't tell back then that that they asked me if I wanted to tell. But nothing's been announced yet and there's no book announced yet, but it will be eventually, I'm sure. Uh, They got a new anthology book that they're planning and and they asked me if I wanted to do a few issues in the first year of the the book Um, and, and I said, this was one of those where I go, yeah, okay. <laughs> but it was nah. funny, though. Every step of the way, I was ready to back off, <laughs> even to the point where I delivered both scripts. And they go, can we change the first script and make it 30 pages instead of 20 pages? I go, yeah, okay. It's a lot more work. I wish you would have told me that before I wrote the script. Um, uh, but I changed them to 30, and I'm still waiting to back out. I'm still waiting to say, nah, we're not going to do it. I- I'm going to pull out for whatever reason. You know, That's <laughs> you- so funny. You're, you're like, gonna I'm going to walk. They're like, no, we want more work from you. And you're like, I'll walk. I'll walk, right now. I'll walk baby. <laughs> Bastard. Well, if you change, it to, if you you change them and those to them and those, I'm out of here, <laughs> <That's baby. good. laughs> I'm out. <laughs> Uh, two other quick questions for you. This is another one from YouTube. T. Cook says, love your juggernaut. Any other Marvel characters you would like to write? Um. I, yeah, yes, of course, because I love the universe. I, I started, I, I dove into the deep end when I was six, seven years old, and I and I've been swimming yeah. in it uh, on and off for for my entire life. Um, that being said, uh, I don't think about it anymore. The days of writing monthly books for me is kind of you know I put behind me. If it happens, it happens. Um, th- back in the day. 
I always wanted to write Captain America and I always wanted to write Doctor Strange. Those were two books I always wanted a shot at monthly. Um, And and I tried to get Doctor Strange. I just couldn't get it at the time. And I never was going to get Cap back then because Mark Grunewald was writing Cap. Um, so, so, um, So I would love to write those two characters uh, Doctor Strange, because I got a story I really want to tell and always did. Um, and Captain America, because I have about 7,000 stories I really want to tell. Um, but, but other than that, I don't, I don't think about it that much. I, I could write a monthly juggernaut book tomorrow if they asked me to, because I just, uh, there's so much in here about what I could do with the character, especially where I leave them off. But, um, I, I learned, I learned about 20 years ago that, that, putting too much creative thought into company owned characters isn't worth it if they're not paying <laughs> you to do the work. Uh, yeah. So I, I tend not to let my brain gravitate th- that way. Uh, and I appreciate the question. I just, it's just not my, my, my focus is on finishing my second book right now and trying to get a, a third book out of that deal. Um, mm-hmm. You know, cause, <laughs> cause that's, that's kind of what I'm hoping my sixties will be. Because uh, I'm getting close. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close. Yeah. And, and I wouldn't mind if my 60s were getting to do a book a year or a book every two years. Oh, that's nice. Wow. Uh, I mean, on that note, Eduardo asked here on Crowdcast, is the second book a sequel or a different story? It is the same characters. It is the same story world. It is a very different murder and a very different theme. Uh, the themes of the first book is really cultural change and white flight in suburbia, uh, white fear of change in suburbia. Cause my, my area has, has gone from being 10 or 20% Asian back in the eighties to being about 70% Asian now. And I've watched it all happen. Um, cause I've been in this area for 30 years. So thematically that's kind of the underpinning of the whole story. Uh, the second one is really about marriage in suburbia uh, and the boredoms and the, the illusions and the realities and, and the, the, the murder the murder really forces the characters to dig into their own relationships both their parents relationships their own relationship with their the husband all of that stuff so so the theme of the second one is really um more about marriage and if i get to do a third one i got about seven eight books in mind with these characters yeah um, because wow. ultimately it's it's the theme that drives the book and i plug the characters into the theme so i kept jotting notes on theme <laughs> so the third book is education in suburbia and no. the whole idea of my little johnny's going to be a division one quarterback so i'm going to make him a division one quarterback or or you know my little anna is going to be a math whiz and she's going to you know get get a scholarship for being a math whiz so the 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 asian tiger mom stereotype and the bullheaded you know athlete father stereotype uh so that that's the third book is is delving into all of that because i i live in a very competitive educational school district uh that, that has a lot of issues regarding how how much we push our kids uh so i can keep going forever because i you know i got i got a whole bunch yeah. you know um and, and awesome. i'd like to i'd like to be able to get a chance to do it it'd be fun that's awesome uh fabian before we let you go just to review juggernaut out coming out now for marvel the second issue is coming pretty soon outrage second season coming at some point but you can check out the first season, soon. season i can't say coming and, soon anymore because every time i said that i yeah. got yelled at because it didn't come soon so now i just go <laughs> uh I don't know. <laughs> and Suburban Dick Supper 2021, is that right? 
It is going to be late spring, early summer, 2021. Uh, awesome. I have a, I have been given a date, but it's not official to announce yet. Uh, but it'll be a summer release, which I was told by my agent is great news because that means that yeah. you know they think that they yeah. have a chance to do to do beach read, make it. it a beach read. Absolutely, you can socially distance at a beach if we're still stuck in this. I think it should be a beach read. I got to be honest. I read the ga- I had to proofread the galleys, the final print version galleys on my iPad. Um, uh, it's a PDF. So I was doing it on my laptop, but then I switched it over my iPad and I was reading it at night in bed before going to sleep. And I thought to myself, holy crap, I'm reading my own book in bed. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I would read a book. Awesome. It was amazing. This is like, I would oh, read a book great. and it's all, it's there's text and prints and chapter numbers and running heads. It's amazing. It's just amazing. <laughs> I got to say, it's so exciting to see you so excited about a project mm-hmm. Uh, it reminds me of being so excited about reading your work, uh, you back in the day in comics, and that I is it. that's I, very I, cool. I've been such a failure for so long that Shut it's, so rewarding. That. it's so rewarding to feel validated again. I I feel like Kirk at the end of Wrath of Khan. I yeah. I, feel, I feel young. <laughs> so it's good. It's good. Uh, that's exactly what it should be. And it's it's so hard to to become excited creatively at any point in our lives and careers to have yeah, a whole yeah. reinvention like this. That's I'm so excited for you. It's so great I to just talk that. to you. Like it's that. been a lot of fun. It's been a really really good year. You know. Trump and pandemic notwithstanding. Yeah, there's some bad things. Sure, there's some bad things. We I can enjoy the success. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a really bad year, I know. Meanwhile, I'm all like happy and giddy in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You, you monkey pawed all of us, and we're just uh, dealing with the consequences, but it's fine. <laughs> Uh, Fabian, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure to see you. Yeah, Always a pleasure to talk to you guys. With I'm glad everyone seems to be doing well. Hang in there, okay? Yeah, we're good. Thanks. All you right. too. Better Thanks, time Fabian. ahead, sirs. Thank you very much, Absolutely. guys. Appreciate good luck, it. man. All right. Once oh, again, man. Fabian Desueza, that's great. I so you said that great. perfectly, Justin. So excited for him. Yeah. And so excited to see him excited. Hey, about exactly. That. It's so great. So sweet. What a good guy. Uh, that's great. And I'm excited to read that book. Uh, that sounds real good. That is a, he is totally right. That is a smart, fun concept. Very excited to check that out. Do you know what I'm also excited to check out is our next section on our show, which is my favorite section. Cause you all make it up. It's your audience question. And for audience questions, I see a bunch of you have already done this, so I don't really need to explain it. But if you're over on YouTube, on the tube, just leave a question in the comments. We're keeping an eye on that. Also, give us a little thumbs up there. We love to get a thumbs up, a little like from you. Over on Crowdcast, drop a question in Ask a Question, and we will get to that right now. And it could be about absolutely anything. Gosh, uh, Pete and I were talking about this top of the show. I'm hoping it's a lot of political questions because we are good political uh, puns. Are we? I think. We really covered the bases last week, and I will say, um, I'm over-informed about politics, so let's get deep. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Wait, uh, we should from start Kev- with what are you uh, drinking? What are we drinking? What yeah. are we drinking? Uh, we can... Justin, you look like you're primed to go at this point. I've got that uh, Juice, Juice Bomb, bomb. Uh, IPA from Sloop Brewing. Um which is very good. Uh, it's a strong, big IPA. I also had uh, some Cote de Rhone earlier. Where oh. are they going for? Wow. Nice. Pete, what about you? Mountain well, Dew uh, and vodka? <laughs> speaking of uh, juice and, uh, you know, very, very highly quality made stuff, I'm drinking Purple Source Rex and vodka. Uh, so, you know, Purple just enjoy. Purple Source Rex? Yeah. 
What are you saying it like that for? It's the greatest Kool-Aid flavor of all time. Are you effing oh, kidding God. me? Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, what do you mean? Um, uh, can I can I send you some um, juice with vitamins in it? Do you need anything? Can, no, I exactly. you like, can I send you just like a salad or something? I'm just yeah, exactly. Sure. I'll put it on the pile. Uh, Justin's gonna love this. Justin's gonna love what I'm drinking uh, what, already. What pumpkin garbage is this? Of yeah, course. Uh, here's the thing. Drinking a Southern Tier pumpkin. Here's what I'm gonna say about it. I know you hate the pumpkin beer. I'm not gonna argue I'm with you about that. Alex, you're trashy. You're trashy. You're no. a pumpkin spice latte no. motherfucker, and you no. just want to drink the Here, little latest here's little the thing. Uh, Southern Tier Pumpkin is great. No. It's really good. They call it. I was telling Pete this before we went live here. The uh, the tagline is pumpkin pie in a glass. What does it sound good about that? Think about everybody loves a pumpkin pie, right? You take a pumpkin pie, you kind of like crumple it up a little bit. You put it in a glass, you smash it down there, and then you drink that glass. Ooh, that's refreshing. I think it it's was the original, pumpkin. I think it was Southern the original tea. monks who were brewing the first beers who were like, hey, we got to have a good tagline for this fucking beer. Otherwise, no one's going to drink it. <laughs> no, this, is, this one is actually good. You should actually try it. It's Southern Tier, which is already very yeah, good. I've tried um, pumpkin beer. No, Save have you tried pumpkin, pumpkin beers? King. Yes, pumpkin. of course. I've tried if there's a beer out there, I've had a sip of it. And I've tried your Christmas beers. I've tried your Arbor Day beers. I've tried your New Year's little flavor beers where it's sad. Like, there's no... Just drink a beer. Just drink a beer. Uh-huh. Oh, don't, Pete... Beer. By the way, you're also wrong, just to be clear. <laughs> with uh, I'm sorry. You're going to come at me? You can't come I, at me. I'm, I'm not... I, I think everyone should be... Yes, I don't want to be your shame. Everyone should drink what they want to drink. Um, hey, Pete, I have a quick question for you, actually. And, Justin, you can answer this one as well, but this is mostly for Pete. Pete, uh, given that, like, you, you were joking about, like, pumpkin beers and Arbor Day beers and whatever, there was a beer that had uh, meat in it, like a meat flavoring, and some sort of, like, uh, cheese flavoring. Would you say that you were... Sucking on a steak? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say that. It's been so long since we've heard that, or at least I have. I have missed it. <laughs> um well i don't know what are you what are you gonna what are you gonna come at me for how is purple source <laughs> not the best motherfucker come at me What's how is up? terrible kool-aid and vodka it's not that i'm saying that what you're drinking is wrong i'm just saying if i were to track what's happening to what you're drinking oh. in a couple weeks you're going to be drinking rainwater and moonshine <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying you're on a track where you've gone from like different okay. things down that you're falling down a pathway um that i don't quite understand well you're gonna uh, the purple thing you said is the purple stuff which is right before they say sunny d in the commercials yeah, true. and that's what i'm worried about because the purple stuff is not what the commercials for the commercials for sunny d uh, just a quick comment from YouTube. Science Fury Feet Jazz Rock says, Cote de Rome, the IPA, LOL, the drinking part of the show. I think it is the best. Thanks. Aww. That's the rest of the That's show. Nice. From now on, we're just going yeah, to talk about boozing it up. <laughs> yeah. Can we get to this we... question already? Uh, Kevin asks, comics have often had fun mashing genres. What are some of your favorites that don't involve superheroes? Non-superhero genre mashing? comics? Not superhero genre mashups. Interesting. Man, I don't know. This is definitely not correct. 
but I'm only thinking about this because we had the Warcorn guy on earlier in the show, Garrett. But uh, My Little Pony Transformers, I don't think that's necessarily superheroes, but that was fun. That's a fun book coming out right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, yes, yes. Um, I mean, uh, I think any of those licenses, we just uh, reviewed the Transformers Back to the Future comic from, uh, <laughs> I think, last week on the stack. Um so all that stuff I think is, is, but I feel like the question's more about, like, I feel like Lock and Key did a good job of doing genre mm-hmm. issues that were non-superhero that touched other things. Yeah, uh, the, Sparrow. Calvin, the Sparrow issue, the Calvin Hobbes issue. Um, the uh, Just in general, I feel like that was a great book where they were like, you know what, let's push it both artistically and with the story um, into these other genres just for the fun of it. Um, but it's tough too, because I I, I feel like, superhero stories will jump genres more often than Mm -hmm. a non-superhero story, which is about something else. So it's less likely to be like, now we're going to do an issue. That's this. Yeah. I'm going to go off of something that Joe said in the comments. And I'm going to say when Taco Bell and Doritos collided, that was a great mashup right there. You know, Uh, uh, Taco Bell, Doritos, Loco. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great mashup, and I love the story. It was my favorite part. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is from Nelson Martinez over on the tube. What moment was your personal favorite for the season finale of The Boys? Has to be, uh, spoiler hearers, if you haven't watched it, has to be Queen Maeve joining the fight against Stormfront. Yeah. So good. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. when I watched that, I started clapping and yelling when Maeve showed up. I mean, it was glorious. So Yes. Yeah, I mean, that was huge. That was uh, an epic moment. And I like uh, it when people uh, ask us a question and then answer it in the question. That way we really don't have to answer. It's nice. Yeah, but I also think, like, <laughs> that you like taking that pressure off to answer the question. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, if you guys uh, could do that from now on, I know I frame it up as this is my favorite part, but my favorite part of the show would be if you ask questions and then answer the questions and I could just read them yeah. and just yeah. kind of relax. Yeah, our real favorite part is audi- audience answers. This yeah, audience that, uh, answers. <laughs> we love because you guys um, make it up fully. Uh, yes. I mean, uh, to uh, also champion what Beer Cat PhD is saying, the Newman reveal at the end, um, the very last moment with Huey walking into the office, uh, I thought yeah. was something that I cheered for that in that, like, it's like, ah, God, you thought that they won, but really Huey is just putting himself under another... Uh, Anvil in a great way. That's great the, stuff. The two moments I thought about, not a ton, but a lot. Uh, one, the female walking with the bazooka across the street screen yeah. at the beginning of the episode. Such a funny, like, I think we talked about this on the boys podcast, but such mm-hmm. a funny Looney Tunes style visual. And yeah, then well time sh- bit. It was just so... Perfect. Yeah. Uh, but the shot of Homelander covered in blood slowly floating down in the woods at the end. Uh, The way that was filmed, the lack of score, the sound design in that, it's terrifying, it's upsetting, you know what he's going through, you know what's about to happen to Butcher, even though they get out of it. All of those things, just such such a simple shot that conveys so many things at the same time. And if uh, I can use but, that same explainer to say yeah. a simple shot that explains so many things, um, Homelander on the Empire State Building, jerking off. <laughs> yes. He could do anything he wants. 
Uh, all right, let's move on to Ben, the Border Collie's question here. Since Twitter apparently thinks Howard the Duck is a sports icon now, <laughs> what other comic characters should have unexpected uh, sports ties? Uh, for those of you who missed this, Twitter, as usual, mislabeled something, specifically Howard the Duck, as a sports uh, what do you think? Who else should be mislabeled on Twitter? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I feel um, like we're doing a hashtag game from what was the Chris well, Hardwick but, show? <laughs> wow, what was no, the Chris no. Hardwick show? I think you mean at midnight. At midnight, which that's right. Introduced yeah, the sorry. entire world to what the internet was. I think sort sure. of in a weird way. Yeah, kind um, of. Uh, yeah. How about um, battling Jack Murdoch? Should be just come become a boxing icon. <laughs> Let's get him out uh, there. X Men and baseball from Hollywood Homer. That's a good answer as well, for sure. I mean, there was a thing where they had like a comic book uh, artist design like cool logos and stuff for sports teams, and that was pretty neat. Um, I've always kind of wanted to see, like, you know, Wolverine with the Yankees hat on or something like that. I would think that would be Oh, my bad. God. Who, who hasn't? <laughs> you know, but. I, I got, could you even imagine Wolverine with the Yankees hat on? That'd be Man, so crazy. I would, could you imagine, like, Wolverine and Derek Jeter hanging out? Just like, hanging what out would like, they talk oh, about? You know, that would be the so Conversations cool. they would have. Oh, my God. A dream. This is an utter dream. <laughs> Uh, great, great question. We got a bunch more over here on YouTube. Uh, OG says, what were your initial thoughts on what the last 52 will bring death metal for? Uh, we'll be talking more about that on our stack podcast. Sure. Tomorrow. Will. I don't know if we want to get into spoilers here. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Yeah. If you haven't read death metal Four, turn away, put on earmuffs, whatever you want to do. Um, but at the end of the issue, we find out that instead of the new 52, the Batman who laughs, who is now called the darkest night has brought about the last, the last, 52, 52. the last 52. Um, I hope I, he's right. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously that's not where the DC universe is going to end up, but also I think this is exactly what Scott Snyder has been doing the entire time. Just having ridiculous amount of fun yeah. and being like, what's the opposite of the new 52? The last 52. The last, yeah. he, finds the, he finds the angle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's the, that's the great I'll thing. Be right about back. I'll be right back. Okay. The great see thing you later. About, yeah. See, it's cool. We're just doing a podcast. It's not a big deal. Um, the, what's great is like, the artist is having a ton of fun. He's having a ton of fun. And that just translates to a great comic. And uh, I think they're killing it. And it's fun to see them go over the top on stuff. Yeah. Uh, over here on Crowdcast, Hollywood Homer says, how often do you read the international comics, French comics like Snowpiercer, Japanese manga? Pete? <laughs> well, I mean, we've definitely... I've gone through phases where I've read different you know, manga. Not like gone ham on it anything, but like... You know, love the original Lone Wolf and Cub stuff. You know, I mean, that one was really long and glorious. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, I kind of pick up a manga and kind of, like, check it out. But that's about as far as kind of, like, I stretch. Yeah, I uh, I was unpacking a bunch of books in my basement. I'm still unpacking books Yeah, the later. creepy basement. I mean, it's not as creepy as uh, J.T. Sizzles no. over there. Um, yeah. But I unpacked a bunch of manga this weekend is it and I mainly was, just stuffed animals fucking each other when you open the box is it like 
Yeah, it's like that sort of thing. Uh, also, it's Pluto, Death Note. Um, I have a bunch of other manga volumes, etc. But I was surprised. I had forgotten how much that I had. Uh, I also read Snowpiercer. Uh, read a bunch of, I don't know if you guys have ever read the Incal. Uh, is great French graphic novel from back in the day. Very weird by Mobius, I think. Uh, weird, weird stuff. Uh, Ooh, but I step away good. for a second. You guys are talking about French graphic novels. Uh, we're both drinking that delicious purple juice and vodka now, Justin. So, oh wait, well, how did that happen? That purple <laughs> drink. It somehow it came it, it came through the video camera and just like uh, took on a life of its own. Uh, question here too. Uh, from CT Kook over on the tube. Out of the three of you, which one would be best suited to run the country? <laughs> oh, I mean, wow. that's, that's easy. It's easy? <laughs> no, I don't know. Wait, who, who do you, you what do you think, I, Pete? I would, I, would I mean, not, obviously not Pete. Justin? Yeah. Yeah, I would you say Justin? Oh, Alex yeah. is pissed. Alex is mad. No, I'm not pissed. I want to know why he says, I want to know why. No. <laughs> just... Honestly, we would have to run it together. Sure. Uh, no, in why a, would you? In a, why in, you... A th- in a three guys in a trench coat kind of situation. Yeah. I just think Justin is so punctual, you know, and uh, you know, gets the things on time and never walks course, away in the middle of something. Of course, he's a you know, I, I, yeah. Let me be honest. I had to go to the bathroom. What am I going to do? Yeah, yeah. That's the best of I us. Mean, uh, I would say you probably, do, Justin, you do know the most about policy out of the three of us because you write about it all the time. I I do do too much. Uh, I'm too deep into politics. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing for a uh, leader, but uh, I can uh, definitely talk about how bad things uh, are uh, currently a lot. Um, so maybe that's for Alex on the Crowdcast, man. So there you go, Zelps. Yeah. What's thanks. the YouTube? Uh, uh, tube, uh, tube. Here, let me see if anybody's voted. Nobody on the tube has voted for who should run for president yet. I will say. Pete, while we're going around complimenting each other, <laughs> you are fantastic about befriending people. Like everybody, you walk into a place, you know everybody's name, you shake everybody's hand, everybody knows you, they're excited to see you. That is like a classic politician. And I will say, Pete is the man of the people. Always has. Yes. Been. Well, thank you. Yeah, there you go. But I find so your Punisher uh, your Punisher stance to be um, unelectable. Uh, yeah. yeah, I got some. I got some <laughs> stuff. <Slightly problematic. laughs> yeah, some. <laughs> also, I find uh, your dream of having Wolverine in a Yankees cap to be a little bit. Um, I think you should you should dream bigger, just politically speaking. All right. Well, me and Wolverine, Wolverine will be my vice. Uh, we got another one over here on the tube from Scott Carpenter. Any update on if you guys are going to do stack podcasts on old comics again? Which comic that you didn't get to do might you want to do? I'd love a whole conversation on Mouse Guard. Oh, we could do oh, a Mouse Guard conversation. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Mouse Guard would be phenomenal. We I were mean, early say, in on Mouse Guard back in the day. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Uh, I'll say, and, I, and tell me if you guys disagree with this, but that's always something we want to do is go back and talk about old graphic novels. But there's so many comics coming out on a weekly basis. We're doing so many TV podcasts plus the live show, which we love doing all of these, mind you. But uh, it just doesn't lead to a lot of time to add in extra things. Um, but whenever there is a possibility of doing something like that, um, I would be more than happy to do it personally. Yeah. And also sure. like for me, um, mouse guard 
was like the first time that I got to kind of meet like the creator in Artist Alley. And like for me, like, you know, when you're a kid reading these comics, you see the names and you don't kind of really uh, think about somebody's life or kind of what they're going through and being able to kind of like meet David Peterson in Artist Alley, have a conversation about something that two people are passionate about. I think it's, it's just one of those things that really makes it a deeper kind of like connection and then makes reading moving forward even uh, that much more uh, enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, from Hollywood Homer over here on Crowdcast, have you checked out Shonen Jump Plus? It's one ninety nine a month for a subscription. It's so low because of the giant piracy market, so they rather get $2 over nothing. So with DC, Marvel, and Comixology being so low a month, can it be lower? Since people won't pay, and it really is just pictures that are scanned. Um, this is, I think this is getting to the heart of like the comic books are very expensive discussion. Probably yeah. more than anything. Um, they should be cheaper, but they have to pay people right. so that they can eat and support their families. So I, I, there's not much of a choice there. It's not like they're charging four ninety nine for a comic book and then sitting on $4.98 of it or anything like that. Like, it's all, they're not making a profit, I think, the time. Right? Um, yeah. Cool. Good agreement. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how. Up. I don't know how much big printing is taking out of that, but you're know, where the, all most of the cost goes. But yeah, big yeah. print. Uh, Nelson Martinez says, uh, "What is your favorite spooky October show currently?" I'll answer this too and go with Haunting Bly Manor, a bit slower than Hill House, but I'm very intrigued how it wraps up. I will say, I loved Bly Manor. Loved it. I'm four more episodes into Black Manor and uh, definitely enjoying it. Um, The uh, revelation that the um, the daughter is the voice of Peppa Pig was intense. Wow, uh, for my household. (laughs) Wow, uh, to take are your kids also watching Black Manor? Of course. Um, Yes, Yes. we fully were like, "Hey, you like Peppa Pig? This is basically the same thing." Yeah, your daughter was like, "I love Oculus. I follow everything that Mike Flanagan does." Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, Show huge. me Bly Manor. That's huge a creepy daughter. Uh, I have. I just finished also watching Raised by Wolves, um, which was yeah. not creepy in the traditional like ghost story sense, but was creepy in um, every other sense, especially the last episode. Oh my god! I, I don't want to get into spoilers necessarily, but the thing that happens to mother in the last like, episode. Jesus, Christ. I watched that today at like noon. I was like unnecessary for this part of my day. It's great. I love that show, though. That was just uh, such a wild ride to watch. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't checked out Bly Matter, it's very different from Hill House, like completely different. Um, but. But still, very very good. And what, what what's it on streaming wise? Netflix. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I just uh, that that's I, the company Pete that mails you the DVDs every oh, right, right, whenever right, you send them in. But you should try. They have a computer interface. Yeah, you have. Uh, if you look at the top of your DVD player, you have a red envelope that has DOS boot in it that you've never watched. <laughs> DOS boot. <laughs> oh, I guess I should watch that. Quick, quick, uh, quick rundown. I'm not, I'm the- not in the horror, uh, you know, movie categories. Sure. I'm more in the uh, rom com, so I don't. It's like a romic comedy, but my algorithm to check out. 
It's a, like a romantic comedy where you scream instead of cry a couple of times. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what, no, quick, thanks. quick uh, shout out. What was the um, Netflix DVD that you kept the longest that you? Oh, man. I didn't, uh, I didn't do the. Really? Yeah, you never did the DVDs? Never. Wow, did that's wild. DVDs. I think for that's me, wild. it was Das Boot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly it was Das Boot. And obviously, Alex, that's a weird one. Yeah. yeah, on both sides. It's a weird one to rent initially, and it's a weird one to be like, I gotta keep, I gotta hold on to this. <laughs> I just kept thinking that I was gonna watch it, and I never did. I mean, think about that for a second, though. We were getting DVDs in the mail and being like, God, when should I mail this back so I can get another DVD that someone's going to mail to me? What a wild thing. Uh, I guess mine is probably The Wire season one episode. Mm-hmm. I like that though. It was like getting a little present to the mail every once in a while. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, just uh, to actually answer the question in terms of spooky October shows, I've been. This is going to sound very silly when I say it out loud, but I've been trying to watch more scary movies this month because wow. it's something that I've gotten completely away from while I've had kids and slowly had to work myself back to. I loved horror movies before I had kids. Once I had kids, they just felt like too palpable. Uh, there was something about them where like, it was too much to deal with that level of just gore and morality. Um, but I enjoy them, and I slowly work my way back to them. Uh, so the past couple of days, I watched uh, one of the Bloomhouse, Welcome to Bloomhouse movies, The Lie with Joey King, which is pretty bad, not very good. I watched The Invisible Man, the Elizabeth Moss movie. Yeah. Uh, really good. Maybe not as good as people said, uh, but still very, very good. Uh, and I watched Dr. Sleep the other night just because of Mike Flanagan. Excellent. So good. I watched the first half of that on a flight, and I was like, I can't believe this. Would the content of that movie is what Dr. Sleep is. A movie yes. that was like, uh, it just feels, it feels like the pilot for a, a Netflix show or something completely yeah. unrelated to the Stephen King universe. And then it, it was. Uh, for yeah, me, it's very, uh, sorry, I was just going to add to that. Like, it's very surprising. Like, whatever yeah. you think Dr. Sleep is, it is not that, but it's 100% yeah. worth watching. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. For me, uh, Liwana really loves Halloween. Uh, so we watched uh, Practical Magic, and that was the first okay. time seeing that. Yeah. yeah. And is that scary? Did, that's about as scary as I would like to do. Pete, did you dance around the kitchen singing into spoons after that, or what did you do? Ooh, nice rough, buddy. Thanks, uh, We did have midnight margaritas. <laughs> Alex got practical magic refs just, <laughs> just right there. Just ready. Line right up. You put the lime in the coconut. Uh, all right. Here we go. Uh, Joe... Says, any of you all have any thoughts of why, of all the characters created for the Balantiverse and Arrow, why Detective Comics Comics has yet to bring in a version of Sarah Lance, a.k.a. the best character on the shows? Um, I don't know that they haven't, necessarily. I mean, uh, maybe they haven't. They certainly have had, like, the spinoff comics, but I don't know. I'm not sure. Why do you think, Pete? You watch those shows. She, she is amazing. Yeah, she is amazing, Joe. You are correct. Um, and it was like so much better after what's his face left the helm and she took over kind of running the ship and, uh, 
it's been just glorious since then. So, yeah, you're right. It would be nice if they kind of caught on to her popularity and then kind of made some comic book stuff to kind of uh, hype up the popularity of that. Sorry, is the Arrowverse an archery like a Olympics it's not funny. thing? You, I don't yeah, remember. Like, if they, it's, part of the, it it's part of the Merida from Brave uh, line of... Yes, now that I understand. I know the movie yeah, Brave or Gina Davis Olympic archery. <laughs> Something. Yeah, the the Merida Gina Davis cinematic universe. A uh, couple of quick comments here, uh, following up on the graphic novel stack stuff. CT Cook says, "Got to do Preacher since Justin never read it." That's a good idea. Uh, and Bandito Bandito seven forty says the Watchmen comic review was dope. Uh, agree with that as well. I think that's something we talked about as well. Is doing different graphic novels that we haven't touched on for some of the previous TV podcasts. And like we talked about doing before Watchmen, favorite of the Watchmen podcast. Certainly I think when the lock and key, this current run gets collected, even though we've been talking about the individual issues, we'll probably talk about a lock and key podcast. So some of that stuff will be coming up. Uh, let's run through the rest of these. Pablo I, Martinez says real quick. I do think he, with the holidays coming oh, yeah. up, we could, we could choose a new, uh, maybe we should choose one thing to really dive into, uh, mm. over the holiday break. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's interesting. A idea. Uh, maybe something simple like Yosagi Yojimbo. Oh, uh, yeah. Martinez says any idea with the pit loft open again? <laughs> Pete? <laughs> nope. Hey, Pablo, do you know when the pandemic's going to end? I bet Pablo does know. <laughs> Pablo, give us a date. Hit us to the date. You know when all this crazy is going to be over? Well, let me just say, if we want to talk briefly about that, um, I do think there's a lot of optimism about having a uh, a vaccine early in the in the new year. So I do think, like, spring, summer, I think we could maybe potentially be back Uh doing some of the things we used to do in June, June era. Yeah. Hollywood Homer saying seven, eight, 22. That's a, that's a hard, that's a hard date. Call hard date. Put that in your calendar, folks. We're going to be back at the pit. Seven, eight, 22. There you go. I wonder Woman yeah. says, I wonder, do you know why you decided to go on a Patreon Slack server instead of a Patreon discord server? Uh, that is all primetime Pauly G's fault. I believe he suggested we have, because he was on other Patreons that had done it. I thought it was a great idea, so I started it up. And that's the end of that story. Yeah, I mean, I I briefly, um, I am a guest on a podcast called Mission to Zix, and I briefly went on their Discord, and it is intense. Uh, What I like about our Patreon Slack is it feels... Um, a little more uh, like everyone is hanging out. The Discord gets intense very quickly. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, hard agree. Eduardo says, I feel like CBC has had even more Kickstarter Indiegogo related authors on Lady lately. Is this reflecting a growing trend? Should we expect a change response from publishers in response? Um, of course, Eduardo, we are always on the cusp of any trend on the show, if not ahead of it. You know how it is. No, I I think, um, I I don't want to speak for you guys, but I like having people who have projects they're trying to crowdfund on the show because hopefully we joke about it, but hopefully it does give them a little bump and hopefully it does give them a little attention. It's also nice to talk to people who are really putting themselves out there and trying to set up their projects. And certainly we try to 
include projects on the show that we like already or think there is something fun with. So while we're having people like Fabian on the show who are seasoned vets, we can have other people on the show who are just starting off in their career. And personally, I think it uh, creates a nice balance. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I yeah, don't think it's necessarily yeah, a trend. I just, it's been going on for a while. Go ahead, Pete. All right, well, you don't need to shit on the person for asking a question. You know what I mean? Let, let's not get crazy. No, I'm not shitting but on I, it. I'm answering the question. I, I, Man of the people, future president, Pete LePage. I just oh think God, that... Eduardo like, says, I feel bullied by Alex. Eduardo, shut up. <laughs> oh <my laughs> see why you're not a president? Do you see that's that? why you're not a president. Yeah, that's why. I mean, yeah. with that's that guy to be I could be president. That's not presidential <laughs> behavior. No one shut who up. bullies... Shut no up. Your beard looks like stupid. That. No you look stupid. Like uh, I like to call you Justin Hat because you wear a stupid hat. Pete, you have dumb glasses. Before I Pete, no one who lived in a penthouse <laughs> in Long Island City could ever be a man of the people and run for president, <laughs> Alex. I mean, they took pictures of me at my penthouse, and it's fine. But I could shoot anybody on Fifth Avenue in Long Island City. I could shoot it. anyone on Park Slope 7th Avenue. And <laughs> <laughs> I could shoot anybody in front of the Bear Burger and get away with it. You're the Brooklyn Trump, Alex. I've always said that. Thank you. <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, I, Nelson I Martinez. Just want, uh, oh, I just yes, wanted to ahead, say Pete. that I think, yeah, it's, what's nice is we're – we're, you know, because a lot of times people ask us, how do I make a comic? How do I put my stuff out there? And, you know, if we have people that are just professionally doing it, you know, we're not kind of servicing maybe the people who have dreams to, to kind of do this. So having people who are uh, about to blow up and stuff like that can hopefully give people some ideas for avenues and stuff. Well, I mean, to respond to that, we've told this story a bunch of times, but when we started off the show, I was artistic director of The Pit, Pete and Justin each came up with a Midtown Comics bag, and I said to them, I looked at their Midtown Comics bags, and I said, do you want to service dreams? And both, <laughs> both of them said, yes. Yes, it's true. And that's uh, why we started the show. Yeah, you were uh, the weird Willy Wonka all along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here, let, let's uh, let's keep going with these questions. Why don't we? Uh, Edward Doherty says, regarding death, uh, reading death metal, I'm reminded of the bombastic 90s period of comics. Although it's generally derided as being bad, what stylistic elements, storytelling devices, and gimmicks for the 90s do you think should be reevaluated? Are there any creators from that period you would like to see more of today? I would say pouches and big guns should come back. What about you guys? Did they ever leave? Um, I think uh, I feel I was just thinking about this this week um, because comics in general feel the stakes are so high and the stories feel very heavy. And I feel like in the 90s, um, there was always that like sort of like these like very melodramatic uh, heroes. And there was like I dwell in darkness. But the stories themselves felt a little bit lighter when it came to the actual storytelling methods and. I missed that a little bit where I was like, mm-hmm. this is a four or five issue arc that is just about this story and the characters move forward from there. And now there are so much, so many ramifications and so much intensity, I guess is the word that I miss a little bit of those uh, sort of carefree days of storytelling. Uh, yeah. I mean, I miss the, um, the, 
the violence without story. You know what I mean? Just the, you know, bunch of Uzis, you know, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. And don't, you know, we don't need a, you know, really great story. You just give us the action, the over the top, you know, those, those are fun times. Oh, also head socks. Like that, you know, yeah. like the gambit oh, wow. thing. Wow. Yeah, obviously D apostrophes, uh, more of mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, great question there. Uh, we got a couple of other quick ones. This is from Hollywood Homer, Hulkamania, Hulk Hogan, face hero, or Hollywood Hulk Hogan, heel villain, NWO444 life. What wow. does this mean? What's going on here? Wow. It's all wrestling stuff, man. Alex, did you I mean, just happen yeah. upon a... Uh, I think you just got hacked. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, did. Just no, I think of, I had a stroke. Well, did I have a stroke and say something? Were that... you... Uh, you know, did, were you the Hulkster or were you Hollywood Hogan when he was a heel? Like, where were you? I mean, I was back in the day of, uh, you know, the junkyard dog and Jimmy Superfly Snooker. So I was, I was a Hulkster guy, you know, I don't know, I don't know which one it is. I prefer the Hulk that, uh, shot porno movies and then shut down Gawker. Yeah, it's Hollywood. Really? Hogan. I think that's Hollywood Hogan. Also, yeah. odd choice, Alex. Yeah. Also, his I like name the, Hollywood I like the Hulk. They were too gossipy. Together. I like Come the Hulk on. Hogan that was a tool of Peter Thiel to um, destroy the media. <laughs> Interesting choice. More of a heel for society than a heel for the WWE. Yes. I mean, and we arguably would be at a better place in society if Gawk was still around at this point. Uh, <laughs> last mean, one. There's some truth to that, Alex. There's some no, truth. I'm not joking. Good. I'm not joking. Seriously. Like there were things that were very bad about Gawker, but they printed the truth. Uh, Joe says, here's our last question here. Then we'll wrap this up. Uh, Pete, now that you've moved to Philly, have you officially changed any bad New York language you had and called the famous sandwich by its proper name? Hoagie. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, hoagies and grinders. I yeah, I'm still you know, I'm still, still saying Philly cheesesteak and sucking on thing. a cheesesteak. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sucking great. on a hoagie. Yeah, sucking on a Jersey Mike sub. Um, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a struggle, you know. Uh, when I see somebody on the street, and I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, they're kind of looking at me a little bit. So it's uh you know it's i'm getting there i'm getting there it's uh it's, it's so just to be clear in the middle of a pandemic you still see people on the street yeah you still see people you know uh walking down the street you know six feet away from you would you say you're more of a, you're a fan of a hollywood hulk hoagie or more of a uh traditional hulk hoagie yeah <laughs> uh, you know me traditional hoagies all day or day Amazing. And on that note, I think we can move to our next section, which is trivia. And for that, we're going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. We're just looking for a, uh, we're looking for a volunteer here to win $25 free dollars in the form of a gift card to Midtown Comics Online. Um, and, you know, so we just want to see first hand up guys, something like that. Yep. First hand up girl, uh, you know, first hand, first hand up, up human, you know, woman, yeah, human. Man, however you want to, man, uh, monkey butler. We yeah, did YouTube last time, so looking over here in the crowdcast yeah. right now, we are whatever we're doing. We're looking to sucking on a cheesesteak. Yeah. And all right, Josh has got there. It is. Oh, Let's give go. it up for Josh. Thank you, Josh, for saving right. us. Saving Inviting us. It. <laughs> it's very. This you is saved a gift. us, Josh. Josh, you, you saved, saved us. us. 
Josh is busy watching the uh, Bills Titans game, and uh, so I wish I was. Please. What is this? Is this uh, football? Bills are going to be five at all, hopefully. Yeah, it's Basketball? not looking great right now. Oh, but really? Yes. Oh, that sucks. They're down. They're down by eleven right now. Ouch, man. Thanks. This is great. I love how we're doing up to the minute sports scores. Yeah. Oh, Josh rejected. Ooh, Josh Ooh in your man. face, Alex. Oh, hold on. Ooh. Here we go. You couldn't. Oh, join. it said I couldn't join. I love this sort Josh. of light classical music playing in the background. This nice. trivia is never good to hear all this here. I'm going to try inviting him one more time. See if he can hop in. Oh, there we go. Hey. Hello. How are you? It worked. Yeah. Oh, happy. <laughs> Amazing. What all right. Paco says hi. Oh, so <laughs> cute. All right. Uh, going to let Pete take it away from here. Go for it, Pete. Okay. Uh, today's trivia is on topical comic news. Uh, so I'll read you a question. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right. $25 will be yours. All right. Question number one. What team is being revived for a new title at Marvel? Is it A, Cabal, B, Thunderbolts, or is it C, Amy Garcia? So it's either A, Cabal, or it's B, Thunderbolts. B. Yeah, don't overthink it. Way to say it nice and slow. Question number two. It was announced that what TMNT title is dropping October 28th? Is it A, Secret of the Ooze, B, The Last Ronin, or is it C, Kiki Palmer? So it's either A, or you could pick B. B? Nice job. <laughs> Way to check back in at Woo. the last second there, I, Honestly, I don't know if Josh is listening to those two answers. Yet. Yeah. Oh, oh, look at this. Yeah, nice. Josh All right, here we go. Flexing right now. All right. Last one. Swamp Thing Twin Branches uses monsters as a metaphor for blank. Is it A, finding yourself, B, our com- our complex nature, or is it C, Robert Loja? So it's either A, finding yourself, and you will also find yourself winning $25, or you can pick something else. Aren't A and B interrelated? Uh, sure. I mean, if you want to be, I mean, uh, hey, 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 thank hey, you, hey, thank you very much. Yeah, don't ask any questions, Josh. No, I'm, I'm doing my best, I'm making stuff up here. I'm not very uh, smart, so please don't. Oh, you know, whatever. Don't come at me. <laughs> uh, Josh, congratulations! You won a twenty-five gift card to Midtown Comics. Shoot us an email at comicbookclublive at gmail dot com, and we will get that off to you. Thanks for coming on. Thank See you, Josh. Great Go Bill. And Uh, and now, uh, Pete, a little bit of confusion here. Kiki Palmer in a Robin Williams movie. Have we moved on? Are we past Robin Williams? No, of course not. It's the movie Shrink. Oh, it's the movie Shrink. Okay. (sighs) Great. You're not there yet, buddy. You're not there yet. Can you give us an an indication? How close are we? We're close. We're we're close. (laughs) What are you going to move on to? I don't know. Who else has as prolific a filmography? 
stuff. Rob Schneider. Yeah. We're trying to honor a legend, that's all. All right. So I'm also you trying into, to honor a legend. Why don't you get into our, our IMDBs, Pete? <laughs> you can figure out some projects we've all worked on. Oh, yeah. yeah that's great. Yeah. I'm on IMDb. Are you guys on IMDb? I am not, no. I def am. Oh, no, there you go. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Is this the part where everybody's just flexing? Yeah, you just did yeah, trivia. So. That's your flex. Okay. As we all know, my flex is that tomorrow is New Comic Book Day. We recommend you pick up comics to support the industry. What are you guys looking forward to, Pete? What's your picks? What should well, people check out? You already called it early, but uh, Usagi Ojimbo, uh, number 13, is coming out. I'm also Ooh. looking forward to Once in Future, number 12. Nice. Nice. Justin, what about you? I got to give it up for Stealth, number six, closing out the mini series. Man, uh, I love this comic. It's about a um, sort of a Dark Hawk style suit uh, that gets dropped in on this um, this guy who um, we think is maybe uh, has some sort of Alzheimer's situation happening. Right. Right. Um, his son is a main character, the villain who's had his hand and face um, sort of is a skull and uh, just bony fingers. And the, this last issue, uh, I'm excited to see how it all makes sense. I agree. Can't wait for that one. Uh, I'm looking forward. To, this is a bit of a cheat, but I'm looking forward to the X of Swords stuff that's coming out. I've just been having a, such a great time reading this crossover. A lot yeah. of issues coming out. We got Hellions, New Mutants, and Cable are all coming out tomorrow. Um, but I, I I have not had such a good time reading a crossover in a very long time. So I'm very happy about this. And all of that stuff is going to be our stat podcast tomorrow, Woo-hoo. Wednesday, 9 a.m., both in the comic book club feed and in its own stack feed. Uh, and uh, folks, you know what? I think that's it. I think that's it for our show. So we're going to thank our guests for coming on. We had three amazing guests today. Yeah. Adam Lawson, check out the Kill Journal now on Indiegogo. It's very close to its goal. Garrett Gunn, Warcorns, Combat Unicorns for Hire. You can check that out on Kickstarter. As successful as goal, but you can get four great issues there. And Fabian Nisueza, always with a bunch of projects. Check out Juggernaut from Marvel Outrage from Webtoon and Suburban Dicks coming sometime next year. You wouldn't tell us how. Next week on the show, we're going to have Cullen Bunn. He's going to be here to talk about some Valiant projects that I think are still secrets. I'm not going to blow up what they are. Uh, But also, I'm sure we'll talk to him about Rogue Planet and all the other crazy horror stuff that he's doing. Uh, We may have another guest on to make it a spooky Halloween show, but stay tuned. Uh, A couple of podcasts and other things you guys can check out. Let's hear it for the boys. Our boys podcast just wrapped up season two. Umbrella Podcademy, our Umbrella Academy podcast, is making its way, kicking off season two, starting this week. So check that out every Thursday. Patreon.com slash comic book club. We're going to have a Riverdale after dark. Uh, Justin wanted to. We are. Yes, we're talking about other things now that we're wrapped up with the boys that'll be coming up, so stay tuned for that. Check out at Comic Book Live. We'll put out all the information there on Twitter, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show, comicbookclublive.com for this pod. Can make more. Until next time, good night, everybody. Good night. Take care, everyone.